Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you from Beijing. I'm He Young. Good to have you with us on today's show. Let's talk about love, from the adventurous voyage of self-love to the unconventional recourse of relationship wake-up calls. A new generation of young people in this country cast their gaze upon romantic love through possibly a new prism. Does Romantic love still hold its traditional significance. For today's discussion, I'm joined by Yushun in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. First on today's show, love, profoundly perplexing and beautifully simple at the same time, has enthralled the human spirit for centuries. Yet the essence of love remains an enigma. Romantic love is one of the most powerful sensations on earth. In today's rapidly changing world, where notions of romantic relationship and marriage are constantly changing, young people may look at love in a totally different light. From going out on a date on your own, but you're dating the city, to hiring people to wake them up from hopeless relationships, people are experimenting. So this particular slice of love we focus on, for discussion's sake, is romantic love. The very essence of love eludes precise definition. What theoretical framework would you subscribe to in an attempt to define love, Yushun? Mm. First of all,、um, defining love is always very challenging, right? Because there are just so many types of love, and different people may have different understandings toward love. Few researchers have put forth a viable theory on the concept of love, but one exception is Sternberg's triangular theory of love, which is developed in the late 1980s by psychologist Robert Sternberg. In his theory. The concept of ideal love is a triangular that is made up of three components, which are intimacy, passion, and commitment. In the way of intimacy, it is kind of a feelings of closeness, connectedness, and bondedness in loving relationships. The intimacy component of love typically remains stable over time and is somewhat able to be controlled, and people's awareness of it tends to fluctuate. And about passion, this. Is the drives that lead to romance, physical attraction, or sexual consummation, and、um, related phenomena in love relationships, and it is usually unstable and often change. And about commitment, in Sternberg's、um, theory, it defines as, in the short term, the decision that one loves someone else, and in the long term, the commitment to maintain that love. And、uh, this. Decision or commitment component also typically remains stable over time, and people's awareness of it tends to fluctuate throughout time. So I think love, in some way, is something both easy and complex. Because easy in the way that it can be so pure and direct to somebody that you love, right? And it is complex as you know your emotions can be fluctuating and can change at any time. So. It is different in the both way. Yeah, Josh. I wonder if you have a framework of love for us to share. If not, that's perfectly fine. Sharing your thoughts would be okay. So, Josh, what are you going to share with us? Well, I mean, maybe predictably, my my answer might be a bit too nuanced. I'm not sure because I I think that love 
can be defined in so many different ways. And, and I also have found that, interestingly, as I've lived in different countries around the world, I have found that different cultures and different languages speak about love in very different ways. But there's definitely some absolutes and some consistencies, for sure. I think that, you know, I mean, you just mentioned the phrase loved ones, right? Which can, of course, include people in your life who you love in a non, in a platonic way, in a non-romantic way, right? And then when you say looking for love, though, in English, that phrase usually means romantic, right? So although these words are very similar, uh, you have to be quite careful in the way you use them. I think especially in, in English, actually, uh, the words that we use surrounding love can often be quite um, simplistic. And so you have to be quite careful with how you use them. And I guess that my understanding of love, maybe because English is my first language, it's quite difficult to articulate. Um, I know that some languages have many different words for love. I know that the Arabic language has loads of different words for love, for example. Um, Chinese, I have an idea about it. So my understanding of it is quite, I'm quite confused myself, I must admit. Maybe I don't know yet, but I know that at least with my loved ones, my family, um, a lot of it is around uh, vulnerability and trust, absolute trust, I think, which I think is pretty rare. And even in romantic love, this particular slice of the love pie, I think having that trust and being able to expose your vulnerability and feel safe in doing so is key to it too. But it's just the beginning bit, you know, if you can sort of dissect romantic love into different stages as we fall for it, there's usually this like, you know, firing up your body kind of sensation. And that's not the kind of love that you get from, let's say, the unconditional love from parents or the love from friends or, you know, it's just a very different experience in that sense. And it is romantic love that we are going to take a closer look at. But because we are talking about romantic love specifically today, so uh, it's still different from, of course, we know that your loved one can be your family members or friends or your, you know, your partners. But when we're talking about the romantic love, I think one thing that varies that the definition of love is age. I think people will have different understandings towards love in different ages, right? For example, when you're a kid or even a teenager, I think love is, you know, passionate and um, it's... Are you even supposed to be talking about it when you're a teenager in China? <laughs> Your teachers probably, you know, got hawk eye vision on oh. everybody in the classroom. It's like those two getting a bit too close to each other. Okay, the next day you find each other belonging to different classes. <laughs> Maybe some of us have seen that. But anyway, we're not supposed to... Yeah, you're mm. supposed to be studying when you're in high school. You're supposed to be thinking about Goku and everything. Okay, that's a very old-fashioned way of looking at it. But, but parents and teachers <laughs> would prefer it that way. <laughs> yeah, anyway, like, let's say if you're an adult or you're probably into, like, 20-something, <laughs> then, like, your understanding may vary, right, according to the difference of age. Yeah. For example, for people in their 20s, uh, like my age, right? Um, <laughs> I'm me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a lot of people love. I think uh, love is something sweet, 
and motivating, I think. It's something that can support the mutual growth of two people. And of course, it's also something that allows your emotions to be shared and your happiness to be, I think, multiplied. I also agree with what many people say that love is something that provides emotional value to you. So when two people are together, it should be about being happy and sustaining that happiness rather than it, it being short-lived like a, you know, flash in the pan. But also, um, love can be independent because it's not, you know, attached to anybody. It's, it's always a bonus for a life experience, but not a kind of a necessity uh, uh, when you are being alone. People should feel, I think, perfectly fine with being alone or being in a relationship. Yeah, of course, that is just my interpretation. And as we mentioned that different people have different understandings at different ages. Mm. What you're getting at is kind of radical in the eyes of maybe some folks of the older generations, because it used to be taken for granted that everybody will meet someone or be arranged to meet someone and everybody will get married and everybody will have kids and everybody more or less unless you know something really drastic happens in life then they follow this similar path in life but what you're kind of insinuating there you shouldn't is that well maybe that's not the end story for all mm. and in today's society some people might even think that romantic love is not a necessity in life. So yes, romantic love in the eyes of Gen Z today, really how big a deal is it? Um, well, I, I can't speak for the whole of Gen Z, but I, I personally think that it's as big a deal as it has been for every other generation, to be honest. And that's just based on my understanding of what I believe love to be. I think that things like dating and the pursuit of love definitely have changed. I think that because of the power of social media, I think that trends, especially when it comes to trends around how to find love, I think this has changed. Mm -hmm. But I still think that ultimately every individual has a, a biological and evolutionary instinct that makes us want to love. Mm. Yes. That when you mentioned biology, for some reason it also sounded a little bit romantic in my in my mind. Anyway, <laughs> if we can talk a little bit about neurobiology of romantic love, um, I found this um, lecture online uh, by Dr. Helen Fisher. She talked about the brain and love by using um, MRIs and other medical tests to sort of examine the human brain, um, wow. how we feel during different stages of romantic love, which also includes when you're dumped, when you're crying your eyes out. And logically, you'd be thinking, I want to move on. I don't want anything to do with this person ever again. And, and I want to feel good again. But your brain, because of the chemicals that have been, you know, having an impact on it, you 
it's also normal to feel that you want to crawl back and at all costs just to get that person back. So oh, this actually reminds me of another internet slang in Chinese called now, literally mm. love brain or maybe love on the brain. So, you know, don't feel so bad about ourselves because I know on the internet it's been talked in a very derogatory way, but actually your brain could be acting up and uh, making you feel this way. So let me just quickly whiz through a couple of findings by Dr. Helen Fisher. So when you're in romantic love, the first thing you're thinking about is possibly lust. Fisher explains that the first stage of love is driven by the hormone testosterone associated with sexual desire. And this stage involves intense physical attraction. And secondly, you'll feel that attraction. And Fisher describes the second stage as being characterized by the release of neurotransmitters like dopamine. And these chemicals create feelings of euphoria, increased energy, and intense focus on the loved one. And this stage is also linked to the brain regions associated with pleasure and reward. And you feel, why is he camping in my head right now? And thirdly is attachment. The final stage, according to Dr. Fisher, involves the release of hormones like oxytocin and vasopressin, which promote emotional bonding and attachment between partners. And this stage is associated with feelings of deep connection and commitment. But it doesn't always last. And it always evolves into something else. If it were a relationship that we can carry on, or maybe time to try out a new candidate. Anyhow, so this is the thing that doesn't really change because our brain functions this way. Mm. <laughs> but sorry, but I was actually wondering something totally out of track. How did she really did that kind of experiments when people are having a crush or just you know, uh, yeah. breaking up with somebody and they just drag them into a machine and test what is in their brain? Yeah. Um, see, I wouldn't know much about that, but it's really interesting to see, you know, that so many researchers, scientists from different fields, you know, they're studying mm. love and its effect on our body, including our brain. And if we look at these like new ways that people are finding love, are keeping love alive, searching for a romantic partner. There might be things that have changed a little bit. One trend we saw on TikTok, which has garnered more than 1.6 million clicks or more like hashtag uh, threads, I believe, is about master dating. And is it dating like a master? And Josh, I know it's not. So explain to us, what is this about? Well, this is a new trend that is trending everywhere on social media. And it's based around the idea of self-love. And it can happen in a variety of ways. But ultimately, it basically means to maybe take yourself out, for example, instead of going on a date with another person or investing or trusting your happiness and the love that you may receive for, I don't know, that weekend in somebody else or entrusting somebody else to provide you with that, you can rely on yourself to do it, I guess. It, it comes with 
this idea, I guess, of independence and taking responsibility for one's own happiness. Mm. And it could it could literally be going out and taking yourself out for a glass of wine uh, to the cinema on your own to get a new haircut. I don't know because I don't do this, to you be don't? honest. But I've, oh, Josh, I've you should try it out. It, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be honest. Um, I think it's fair to say that in my research before this show, researching mm. this trend, it is. it seems to be the female market that this is uh, dominated by. Yeah, this um, is interesting. Do guys not enjoy this thought? of pampering yourself a little bit. Life is so hard. I you don't know? think it's like that. I, I think that... Or you pamper yourself in a different way. Tell me, tell me your dirty secrets. <laughs> I, well, as as I would say, in many respects, I, I would go out on a limb here and say that I'm quite a traditional guy's guy in some ways. You know, I, I like more. football. Oh. I like drinking beer. <laughs> um, you know, I'm... <laughs> I'm British, whatever, you know. <laughs> what anyway, does that mean? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I can't cook very well. So, and, and me and, and a lot of my friends, and I know that I'm so like tunnel vision on this, and this is just my own personal experience, but I know that me and most of my friends, like me, don't go out on their own very much. And I, I think we're quite scared to, to be honest. I think that yeah. we do like the idea of doing it, but just... For so long, traditionally, I think a, a, a lot of guys have just, you know, gone out in packs to socialize. And I don't know. Things are changing, though. That I sounds like what that sounds like the girl's side of the story, too. Like for okay. a long time, okay. we went out in packs. Well, yeah, that sounds like a perfect situation. A pack of guys, a pack of girls. And then there you, you guys meet, you know, but it doesn't always work that way. Yeah, and and I think actually... <laughs> you say this is a new trend on TikTok, but maybe nothing's really new under the sun. Because yeah. can I just share my SATC story here? Sure. <laughs> okay. These two guys are completely oblivious of what I'm talking about here. So Carrie Bradshaw was dating New York City 20 plus years ago. There was an episode... In Sex in the City, season five, which I still distinctively remember till this very day that Carrie went out. She went to the movies on her own, museum alone, and restaurant alone. Of course, having that cosmopolitan alone. And of course, having that glass of cosmopolitan alone and enjoying her time in the Big Apple. So that was 20 plus years ago. And I suppose for a whole generation of women or a lot of girls my age when, well, I guess I was a bit underage to watch that show. But anyway, we're inspired by this kind of single and fabulous single ladies lifestyle. And it was so refreshing at the time. And I think it was kind of like a guiding principle for dating or living in a big city as a woman, independent woman for, I suppose, me and many other women. Um, so yeah, but maybe independence creeped at us in a, it's not always in a favorable way because guys don't think in a similar fashion. And if you guys don't really, you know, meet in the middle, then maybe you'll stay that way in terms of relationship status. And I don't know whether it's a good or bad thing, no judgment here. But yeah, like, 
this doesn't necessarily sound too new to me, but you know, the there's always got to be something new trending because we need fodder on social media and also on radio shows as well. So you should. I see that you're eager to jump in. What do you have to share with us? No, yeah, um, I don't think it is a new trend. I don't think uh, most of the people will think about just going out with somebody else because that is why this trend is so popular, right? People are accepting the idea of going out alone. And I personally really enjoy going out alone. For example, I really, really enjoy uh, watching a movie alone. I mean, go to a cinema yeah. and watching a movie alone. That is kind of a, you know, environment that is only you. And, um, you know, when you are doing this kind of things, you can have all of the flexibility and freedom. And, you know, you have the freedom to choose the activity, the location, the pace without having to consider others preferences or schedules, right. And um, there is a saying in Chinese to describe the status of, you know, being alone or being single, that is 一人吃饱,全家不愁, which means that, you know, having meal for one person means that the whole family doesn't need to worry about anything or food. So it doesn't really need to uh, relate to something negative because people are just enjoying being alone. Yes, and being alone doesn't necessarily mean that you're lonely. And mm. But also, being with someone someone who you can trust, someone you love, someone you feel like you can hold each other, embrace each other, and go through the the twists and turns, the ups and downs in life. That's a wonderful feeling too, especially if you get to grow old together, to mature together. And it's no easy feat because sometimes you're not growing in a similar rate similar pace and then you fall apart and drift apart that happens too so what a complex discussion when it comes to the idea of love but at this moment there is this uh, boom we see in the industry in the advice industry for those who have love on the brain. Um, mm. Apparently, there are some online love counselors who are paid to keep an eye out for you. And uh, if you tell them your partner has done something outrageous and you are crying, you are distraught, but no matter what, you want him or her back, or I can't think of another more outrageous example at this moment. But anyhow, the person who's the paid advisor will yell at you, scold at you, critique you, and make sure that, well, at least tell you that you're making a bad decision. And people pay for this kind of service? Josh, what do you make of it? Um, again, I, I have quite mixed feelings about this because I feel as though if the end goal is, I guess it depends how you feel about love. And if the end goal is the same, which is finding a partner that you're really happy with, then... I guess it doesn't really matter too much about how you get there. I mean, as long as it's not manipulative or something like this. So I guess I don't see a major problem with it. I mean, again, is this going to have a negative effect overall on people's ability to socialize and people's self-confidence in other aspects of their life, in their relationships with other people, in their ideas about romance? Maybe. Uh, I think that it could have a negative effect, but 
Yeah, I mean, we've always had ways to help us find love, right? I think throughout history, there's always been people that assist with this. I guess that now with technology, we just have the ability to really refine our search engines and <laughs> um, find the right yeah. person for us. And I think these kind of service are getting popular because of a group of people that you actually mentioned before. That is Lian Ai now, right? These people who are kind of a like sink into their hopeless romantic. Some people say, or I see it as a they are just full of hope or too much of hope towards their romantic love. This is kind of too extreme. So they want somebody to wake them up from these kind of status. You know what? If you don't wake up yourself. No million alarms, mom and dad pulling you out. None of that will work. I think essentially it's your own awakening and your reckoning that what do you think love is about or what do you see is most important in this journey of life? And maybe, okay, this is me selling this concept, but it does come from the bottom of my heart. I think love starts from truly loving yourself. Thank you so much, Yushun and Josh Cotterell, for joining this discussion. I'm Ha Young. 